Welcome to the Simple Programmer Podcast. Making complex programming simple and fast. With everything from career advice to philosophy, it's the Simple Programmer Podcast. Today I'm doing something kind of kind of cool. I've got my buddy Kazi here, and we're going to be talking about Python programming. He's an expert Python programmer. He teaches uh, new programmers how to how to basically learn Python, how to get started freelancing uh, with Python. A lot of really cool stuff. He runs a channel called Clever Programmer, and uh, and yeah, so I thought it'd be kind of cool to dig in and and just talk to Kazi a little bit about uh, Python. I'm not really an expert in Python. I've done a little bit of Python coding. But, uh, but, you know, it, it seems to be the place where all the activity in the dev world world is going. And it's, it's definitely one of those things that, uh, that's been on my radar. So welcome, Kazi. Hey, how's it going, my man? Doing good, doing good. So, uh, so yeah, so what's, uh, what's the deal here, man? What's, uh, what's up with, with Python? Why, <laughs> why so many, why is it so much uh, that I keep on seeing it everywhere? Nowadays, like if you want to, if you want to write a good book that's going to sell, it's got to be about Python, is what it seems like today. Right, and it's funny because I, I feel like I'm the Gary V of Python. I'm yep. like, I've been saying this shit since 2006. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've been, uh, or I'm 2016. You know, to be precise, I've been talking about Python, and I love that it's been growing consistently. But Honestly, bro, when I get when I got started on Python, it actually had nothing to do with the popularity of the language. Right. I, I looked up a language that almost seemed a little esoteric, nobody knew about, and I kind of felt cool and I felt as an elitist uh-huh. and I jumped into it. I thought that was the most fascinating thing about it. But as I but as the years grew by, it grew in popularity very, very quickly. So between 2012 and 2016, not many people even knew about it. Many, very few colleges were teaching it. I mean, most colleges were teaching Java as a primary language. And then 2017, 2019, it's just, there's a complete takeover in popularity. And now you'll see it on Stack Overflow. All colleges are teaching it. So, and um, a lot of companies are looking for it as well. And I think it has to do primarily with the rise of machine learning and data science. So I feel that's why the people are using it in companies and in jobs and why it's gaining popularity on Stack Overflow. But another reason is that because of its simplicity and how easy it is to get going most of the times, they're teaching it across all of the colleges. So lots of the new developers are coming out as Python developers. I mean, Georgia Tech before from 2020, 2012 to 2016 had no Python classes. Right Now from 2017, 2019, it's almost all Python classes. Yeah, so. yeah, it's an interesting shift. I, I was very, uh, very interested in, in and how this has been going. I suppose a lot of it probably has to do with the idea that like a lot of researchers probably use Python and then, and so a lot of the tools that, uh, that are like, that were not being used mainstream, but were scientific research tools, like the image searching, you know, image recognition algorithms and image, image recognition software and the machine learning software was written in that, right? So that's, yeah. maybe that's what's, what's helping that out. And I think Google, Google has been 
Python for a long, long time, right? Yep, exactly. So, yeah, uh, Google has been running on Python. You know, I say this on my channel a lot, but Google is powered by Python. YouTube, which is now owned by Google, is powered by Python. Instagram is powered by Python. Spotify. So there are a lot of Lang uh, a lot of companies running on Python and Sergey Grin, you know, the founder of Google, he says something funny. He said, see uh, Python where we can see where we must. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Okay, cool. So, yeah. um, so what's the big, what, you know, what are the kind of differences? So I guess I'm trying to think like my main strength as far as software development programming languages would be, you know, C++, C Sharp, Java, definitely a lot of C Sharp and Java. That's, those are pretty much the same language for the most part. But, you know, I dabble a little bit in Python, but not a lot. Is this like, would I be able to pick up Python pretty easy? Is it very similar to those languages or? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, any developer can learn almost any other language minus some crazy languages like BrainFuck and whatever else like that exists out there. That's very, very difficult to learn or it gets complex just for weird esoteric reasons, or maybe it's a very low level language like assembly, but high level languages. I think the transfer and crossover is just very simple. Most of the times, Yeah. you know, a Python developer could pick up Java. I mean, there's a little bit of things that they have to learn, like how to actually compile and it's just more object oriented, but when you're switching to Python, it's the concepts are very, very similar. So, I mean, it's going to be easier. The transition is almost always going to be easier for a developer. The, but it's just important, like what the reason f is for learning it. I mean, if you are, you know, Java and you don't really need, and you're doing a particular job there and you don't find you need, you have the need to really learn this language and go into it, then that's not necessary. But, uh, you know, f for me, having it as one of the skills, like having it as in your tool set, I think if you have a job and you're not even going out to get a Python job, I believe genuinely makes you a lot more valuable just because of the demand for it and the growth of it and how it's going to continue growing. So, uh, data how data science is growing i think that python is going to have very proportional growth to that and i think it's just a good idea valuable skill to learn yeah no that makes sense i mean yeah if you're if you're starting out and then i agree uh, you can learn pretty much any other programming language because most of the constructs are pretty pretty much the same it's just the syntax of, of those of putting that together but then, then you've got like all the libraries and, and stuff like that. That's so Python, you can do web development. I'm assuming you can do pretty much anything. Can you do mobile development with Python? You can do some mobile development with Python, but with mobile development, I believe they're more native languages. So, mm -hmm. you know, Swift for Apple and then, um, for Android, you know, just the languages like Java or whatever else is going to be better. So most of the mobile development is not what it's really popular for, but for DevOps and mach uh, web development and data analysis, that type of stuff, 
Python, you know, you want to kind of go all in on it. Right. Okay. 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 And uh, what, um, what's the, uh, what's the main like things that are different about Python like that? Um, you know, what, what kind of sets the language apart? I'm just curious why it would be used for machine learning as opposed to, you know, like C sharp for, for instance. So I think the reason for its popularity for machine learning and data science and data analysis and all of that, because researchers and scientists found it probably a lot easier to use. And then it just picked up adaptation. Right. Okay. It just, it just got picked up because of how easy it was to use. And then it started growing in popularity because of that, because somebody who's trying to, somebody who's a scientist and just wants to be able to run an experiment, they don't want to spend so much time learning how to actually just compile code, like follow the frameworks of a language or learn how pointers work. They just want to write some code that that looks similar to how you would read English. Mm -hmm. And then they just want to hit enter and have it run. So because of its simplicity, I believe is where it started uh, growing a lot faster. It got just adapted culturally and then because of that, we're seeing a rise, rise in, in it. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. The simplicity aspect of it, because yeah. it's an interpreted language, right? It's more of a scripting yep. language, not object-oriented. Although I'm, I'm sure yep. you can probably have some object-oriented features within, within yes. Python, but, yep. uh, but primarily interpreted. So yeah, so that'd be something that you could quickly pick up. And that makes sense. I think that makes a lot of sense for beginners too. I know when I was going to college, I, the first class I took, the, like the CS 101 class was Java. And while I knew some Java it, at the time, it was just, it was just overwhelming. I couldn't believe that like first time programmers were being like, you know, within the second week of, of college, you know, having to write manual loop iteration, like, <laughs> you know, algorithms and yeah. like to do like to implement bubble sorts and stuff like that with the, right. with the language that like, like Java where it's not really, you know, the, the easiest thing to do. So, you know, something like Python would have been a lot easier to get up to speed and to be able to just start actually writing real code rather than, you know, all the, the theoretical stuff that, uh, that, you know, you got to learn a lot, I guess, to, to start, to get started as a Java programmer, right? There, there's a lot yeah. of, you can't just like jump in and just start writing writing a program so yes yeah i mean i think that schools a lot of the times they teach things really really weirdly that's why a lot of the really successful developers you know form out of being self-taught developers yeah because a lot of the education in school is outdated and not you know up to speed programming is changing the tools are changing the most of the things that you know um require you to kind of adapt new things even when you go on a job so yeah when school you have week one everybody's writing hello world app and then week two you're working on bubble sorts right <laughs> it, it gets very difficult and i people can't keep up with that so most a lot of the developers or friends that i had in college either quit or had to learn on their own. Like the only people that were really passing were people who were learning on their own somehow. Um, so yeah, I think the 
it's it's a little weird how school forces so much theory and a lot less of just building really practical skills around programming that I think would be really, really helpful. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very true. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's, I've kind of always been, in fact, I left university after one year because of that frustration and just, mm. just finished by teaching myself. I already knew some programming and just continued my own education on it because it was just, it was not, it was not helping me in the real world. I already had a job during the summer and nothing I was learning in school was helping me with that job. I, there was no point where you had to manually uh, create bubble sort algorithms. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it just didn't, didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, to, so you, you dropped out of college? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, dude. Yeah. Nice. That makes me feel so warm and cozy. I'm not alone in this. Yeah. There's a movement. <laughs> yeah. What about you? So how did you learn Python? What, uh, what, what did you do? What, what got you into it? And, and why did you, you know, pick that language? And then what was the process that you used to learn it? My brother called ah. a long time ago, said, IT is the thing. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. So, see, so I, went, I flew to California for the first time in my life from Chicago. I went to San Francisco to live with him for three months. And I just trained um, got my CCNA certification, you know, Cisco Certified Networking Associate, which is a pretty difficult certification to get. Right, yeah. And I got it in three months at the age of 17. Okay. Only to realize I fucking hated uh, CCNA. Like, I hated IT. Like, I did that something, computer networking was something I didn't want to do. And I'm really thankful for going through that period in a very short amount of time because what most people do is, They'll be like, I want to do something. And then they'll spend four years of their college, you know, get a college degree in it and then get out, then realize they didn't want to do it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm very thankful for that three month period time where I literally studied for 18 hours a day. And I said, this is something I hate. I don't want to do it. Then he called again. I spoke with him while I was in Chicago. He said, Hadoop is the thing. And he said, people who learn this, they're making $200,000 a year straight out of college. Yeah. So I thought, okay, that's awesome because I wanted to be able to support my family and I wanted to be able to have money to really support my lifestyle and my family. So I got on Hadoop and then realized that prerequisite is programming and then went down that rabbit hole. I was like, what the hell is programming? And figured out, okay, what programming is. And then, you know, kind of the weird reason I told you I joined Python. It was just to feel like an elitist at the time. Yeah. Now there are a million great reasons to join. I'm sure there were great reasons back then too, but I just didn't even know what programming meant. I just picked something based on its logo back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. Yeah. So that's right. how I honestly got started on it. And then, I started teaching myself through Udacity, Udacity yeah, okay. Coursera, all of those online trainings. Okay. Okay. And then you never, I mean, you never had like a regular job, right? With mm -mm. Python, right? You just started off doing freelancing. Yep. Yep. So I never had a full-time job with Python, but I grew the start of my career because when I learned chess, 
I taught it to students. Right. And I started learning how to freelance. Like I developed those principles. Then when I learned coding, mostly what I did was I was teaching students. I was helping people. So people who are going to boot camps, you know, somebody who's going to like full stack Academy or, you know, whatever else coding dojo, those boot camps. I was helping those students in Python. And then after that, I was even freelancing. So I was always doing both of the things. Right. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. And then, um, and then what, um, you know, what, uh, at what point, like how long did it take you to learn Python to feel that you're confident enough? Cause you went directly from learning it to teaching other people. That's a pretty bold move like i think a lot of a lot of developers i talk to that are starting out they're like they've been studying for like two years or three years and they're like i don't know if i'm good enough to get a job yet and uh it's like yeah of course you're good enough to get a job come on if you've been actually like doing this for like two years three years but how long did it take you before you're able to like start actually making money it's it's a really bizarre thing because even to this day i don't feel like i'm good enough to get a job around programming. I think it's uh, programming specifically because everywhere you go, most of the online communities are in a way where it feels like almost everyone is intellectually superior than you are mm-hmm. and that you don't know anything. So you kind of always feel that level of imposter syndrome. You talk about this in your book. Yeah, yeah. Soft skills, I think. I don't know if you talk about it in the complete career software developer's guide. But this uh, concept of being an imposter, you know, having that imposter syndrome, which just means even when you're really good at something, you feel like you're not good enough. So for me, I started teaching other people in about three to six months. And the only reason I was able to do that was because I realized I used to suffer from imposter syndrome in chess all the time before I worked with any other client. I just always thought that I didn't know enough, but my breakthrough was you just have to be one step ahead of the other person. Sometimes, sometimes you actually don't even have to be one step ahead of the other person to put, to give you an example, one of my coaches who helped me in chess, kind of break through and grow really, really rapidly. He sucked in chess. Uh, chess has a rating, a USCF rating system. So, you know, if you're a 600 rated player, you're kind of a beginner. If you're a thousand rated player, you're a little bit better. He was a thousand rated player and very quickly. The entire team um, at my high school outgrew him. But I would still sit there, work with him on things and just his level of curiosity and how he would ask questions and how he would inspire us would get us to keep growing. He wasn't even ahead of me. He was exploring it together. So when it comes to teaching it to other people, is it better that you know more than them? For sure. But could you know just as much as them and inspire them to do more? Because once he inspired me, I was spending three hours a night studying on my own. I didn't really need to sit there with him and need his help. Then I would come to school and practice for two two and a half hours every day. So in like 
based on how much I practiced in three years, I got the result that most people on average get in 10 years around chess. Like I became world-class level and transitioning it back to computer programming. If you can even inspire somebody else and work with them, you can make a massive difference. People would pay you for that. But if you're even one step ahead, because most people are trying to learn hello world and they can't get their minds wrapped around. Like most people are stuck at very, very basic things. So once you work past that weird imposter syndrome thing, you can be working in three to six months. And that's what happened with me. I started working literally two to three months after I picked up coding. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, that's, I've always thought that you should, try to get in over your head, right? To, to do things that are going to stretch you that are beyond your skills and capabilities. And that's the fastest way to expand your skills and capabilities is by doing that. But a lot of people, they, they want to do something only when they're sure that they can make it. And that's, that it, it, you're too, it's too easy at that point, right? But, yeah. uh, but I agree too. also the being one step ahead is, is really all you need, right? That in fact, sometimes it's the best way to teach people is to be just one step ahead because you've already been there. You've gone through the learning experience. Whereas someone who's far ahead, it, sometimes it's harder to explain what you're, you know, to, to relate to the, the people that are just beginners. So in fact, with all the Pluralsight courses, when I create all those courses, a large portion of those courses, I mean, and it, and it wasn't even like I had a choice, right? So I created the first like Dart course on Pluralsight and Dart just came out. So uh, no one knew the Dart language. So who's going to create a course on that, right? So I learned the language in like a week and then made a couple of programs during that week. And then the next week I created the course and taught the course. And, you know, some people would say, oh, you're not qualified to, to teach that course. But <laughs> no one was. It doesn't matter. Like, and besides, someone else can't grant you the authority to say you're qualified. The question is, like, yeah. do you actually, can you actually teach? Can you actually help someone else? And so, you know, same thing with like Go, same thing. Like when Go language came out, uh, no one knew it, but yeah. Yeah, I learned it in about, that one took me like a week and a half or so to, to learn. And then I taught the course on it, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's how you have to do it is you just have to jump in. Yes. I a hundred percent agree. Now, specifically speaking about how you felt with creating Dart and Go and all of that stuff on plural side, what's funny is one of my friends, he doesn't have any social media presence. So I asked him, I said, why don't you have any social media presence? And we kind of went down this rabbit hole of him talking about lots of things and, you know, how he sees that I get scrutiny on my channel sometimes, you know? Right. And he said to me, he said, while I don't have any social, he's like, while I don't have any good comments causing, you know, what's more important? He said, I don't have any bad comments. Yeah. And that just made me realize a lot of people's worldview it's so weird. You yeah. know, I was sitting with my uh, brother and his wife the other day and they're looking over, like she's looking over some of the comments that he got on his thing. And it's almost like all of the good comments that my brother got on his YouTube channel. My brother just started his own channel. Mm. Like she just glazed over all of the great comments. Right. And like just like, it didn't even register. It was just like, it was all these amazing comments. Like this was such an incredible post, like changed my life. I'm following Bokas, blah, blah, blah. Just glazed over all of them. And then just 
like one bad comment that stuck out, you know, she brought like, why would he say that or something? <laughs> and I noticed that as people, we have, as humans, we have so much focus and we want to just protect ourselves always from danger way more than right. we actually care about growing. People, a lot of people who are developers, especially in your community, like if you guys, if you're watching this video and your one of your goals is to like boost your income, I don't know what the average salary for most people who are on your channel is, you know, but there are so many ways to boost your income. You know, like I, in my, in my days at college when I was 21 years old, I figured out, okay, how can I boost my income? And I started just focusing heavily on that. And I broke the six figure mark. I was making $104,000 a year at year at the age of 21. And then at some point I decided maybe I should go out of college cause I'm already earning enough income. So I earned my, I felt like I earned my way out of college. And then I started focusing on building my own brand and sharing that with other people. But for a lot of the people who are on your channel following you and if they're developers, there's so many ways to boost your income. For example, you could be on codementor.io mm-hmm. and you could be either teaching other people or freelancing from there. You could be on platforms like Wyzant, W-Y-Z-A-N-T. Like Wyzant by itself added over $80,000. Like Wyzant and Take Lessons, these yeah. platforms added over $80,000 a year. I know so many um, instructors on these platforms, like people who are you know, tutoring making over six figures on these platforms per year, like very comfortably. So, but that's a place that a lot of the times people don't think about, you know, to go to, or they think that they're underqualified or there's somebody else that's way better, but you won't know till you actually go and apply till you actually go and and try it out. So, you know, that's just to your point when you were telling me, Hey, I just went on plural site and started making these courses and putting the videos up there. Yeah. It's awesome too. Like I think with doing something like that, where you're teaching someone else and you're spending, not not only you're making extra money, but you're improving your skill set extremely rapidly. Like the best way to, to become better. Like when I was doing software development, when that stuff didn't exist, I remember the reason why I, excelled a lot of my peers and and grew my skill set what much faster was because at the jobs i was working i was always the go-to person i would go around and like people would ask me questions right and they would ask me all kinds of questions and and ask me to come over to their desk to look at their problem to help them Uh, and they'd ask me all kinds of stuff that i didn't actually know the answer to they just assumed that i knew all this information so i had to figure the shit out right yeah that was you know that was the thing and i think the same thing like if you're if you're teaching someone if you're doing mentoring you're not going to be able to answer every question they have but you're going to encounter so many different problems and so many different issues and so many different questions so rapidly that you're going to grow because you're going to have to figure out what the answer is because someone's relying on your help and and that's that's something that can really i think you know not only are you going to make the money but it's going to grow your skill set super super fast because you it's like the amount of problems you have you you have exposure to right if you're just programming by yourself on for a job or something like that you've you're only limited to you know whatever problems you've worked on but if you have other people that you're helping and you're seeing you you might be seeing five times as many problems in a week that yeah. an average developer at your job does so Yes, you learn so much faster by teaching it to other people. 
sometimes the same the concepts you thought you knew just by verbally saying them out loud yeah will get you to discover something completely new you'll be like you're you'll blow your own mind so many times but one of the fastest ways to grow your skills in coding is 100% with teaching but i feel like a lot of the problem for developers comes from the attitude and the personality and a lot of people don't have that personality to just say yes and accept the challenge. Like, I, you know, especially in developer community, it's one of those things where people want to always say no, or this is not what I do. I don't know this. And then they'll just like literally look you deadpan in the eye and just right. go, I can't, no, this is not me. I can't do this. Yeah. And you go, you know, you could have learned it. Like you could have picked it up. That's what, that's why you should actually be called a developer uh, because of the ability to pick up and learn new things. But that's the thing that limits you. That's why I work with this one developer. And anytime I went and got paid for my coding, right. I would go and invest in my own self by increasing my, to increase my skills. And what I would do is I would go to a platform like code mentor and I hire a developer to teach me. Right. So say I work for some client, and made a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars, whatever. I'd come back and I would spend like five hundred to seven hundred dollars back into me learning. So I would hire a developer online and then I would get training from them. Some of these developers, when I asked them, they said they're making thirty dollars an hour at their job, except they also have thirty years of experience. Yeah. And I just got back from a job where somebody paid me fifty dollars, and I'm learning from them. Right. So what is actually going on, you know, and a lot of the times I would ask this developer, Hey, can you teach me this? Or can you train me in this new thing? Or can you give me this different type of challenge so I can try and maybe make something practical? Just like me deadpan in the eyes. Like, no, that's not how we do it. Like you have to learn the command line. You have to learn this one thing. Then when I started learning on my own and started figuring a lot of things on my, out on my own. I just realized, no, you don't have to. If you're starting out, there's absolutely zero reason why you must start with the command line. Like, there is no reason. You could go to a platform like REPL.IT, Replit, and just start coding in Python or Java or any other language. You don't have to learn about text editors. You don't have to learn about how the language works. You just start learning by examples. Yeah. And once you're inspired and you're improved, then you go and learn it in different ways. But my point is things don't have to be this one way. And if one of the takeaways I want to say for a lot of developers or people who want to freelance is if you just bring more yes in, you can get, you can get so many opportunities and I promise you, you would rise to the occasion to end up figuring them out. If you yeah. just put yourself in that pressure and you allow the external pressure to help you you'll rise to so many occasions you will increase your salary you will get more jobs because people will love working with you because people don't want to hear no exactly and, yeah. so with john not even knowing the technologies when he was at jobs and he became the go-to guy it wasn't because he knew everything it was because he fucking said yes Exactly. Yeah. I remember one of like my first freelancing jobs. I got this, this, this company asked me if I could create, what was it? 
if I could convert like from this, this software they had, uh, you know, to, to be able to convert the output from the software to PDF, right? Yeah. And I had no idea how to do that, right? I had no, even no clue. And, but, you know, but, but I figured there's got to be some way to convert, you know, whatever format they have to PDF. There has to be some kind of library. There has to be something that I can build or, or do. And, and so I was nervous about it, but I was like, okay, well, how much are you willing to pay for this? And they said $20,000. Wow. And I said, well, okay, yeah, I can do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, yeah. And uh, so I accepted the contract. I had no idea how I was going to do it or what I need to do. Right. I mean, I kind of knew what I needed to do, but I didn't know how, how I was going to do it. And so then, you know, I, I, when I took the contract, I sat down to actually do the work and I expected it was probably going to take me, you know, 15, 20 hours, maybe like a, a week, maybe 40 hours, something like that. And I sat down and I looked up the documentation of the software and they had an API. Okay. And you could just access the API via C sharp. That's what I was using at the time. And Literally, it was two lines of code. <laughs> there was actually in the API a call to convert to PDF, like to produce a PDF. And so Jesus. I literally ended up writing a program that was basically two lines of actual working code, one to instantiate a, an instance of the API and <laughs> the second one to initialize it with the document and then yeah. to, to actually put out the PDF. And that was it. And there, there was my $20,000, you know, that I made in basically half an hour worth of work. Okay. And they were happy with that. They didn't complain. That's exactly what they wanted. I got paid for it. But you know, that just, was just a great example of you just, you just take the chance. Like you just say, I'll just figure it out. Right. I mean, the worst case scenario, if I couldn't do it, you know, I would have learned a lot. And then, you know, I would have, I would have just handed them their money back and said, well, you know, yep. I, I gave it my best effort, but this was, was the best I could, I could, I could do uh, yes. not a big deal. So. Yes, that is the number one thing. I love that. Just getting, uh, you know, what's really hilarious is that we had a very similar type of situation uh -huh. um, and I actually, it's really yeah, funny because I had, I got a client who ended up paying me $20,000 total, but I didn't know how much they were going to pay me because it was going to be an hourly rate. Uh -huh. When they got on a call with me, they told me they needed login, logout, admin functionality, invoicing app, a million other things that they listed out. And at this point, I was literally just getting past the part of how do you do for loops and solving some basic problems in Python. Right. <laughs> and I was on this call and I said, yes, I'll, I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember it was one of the, for me, it was actually a really exciting thing. I get really excited for me. The world is an oyster and it has endless possibilities, yeah. not a place of like fear and you can fuck things up. And I think it has to do with a lot of how you uh, grow as well in your parenting, mm -hmm. you know, because if you're constantly reprimanded for the mistakes you make, you get in this fear mindset where I just want to avoid making mistakes. Yeah. You know, whereas if you are encouraged for the great things you do, you're in a different mindset where you're more excited. So anyways, I took on this opportunity and I ended up getting paid $20,000. Granted, it wasn't for two lines of code, 
But what's really important that I want to mention there is I pretty much learned everything on the job. Right. Yeah. You know, and what people don't realize, they're like, well, you should have known it already. They almost imagine like you should be so fucking good that when you just go there, you just like move your fingers and the whole app is just written like a few hours. You know, that's how much you need to know. Otherwise, you're wasting people's time. But what they don't realize is like just like physics. Just because somebody's done a lot of physical labor, they can't come to your house and just like look at your furniture and all of the furniture will just move. Right. They have to put in the work, just like physical work, you have to pay for their labor. You have to pay for thought. Thinking is labor as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so somebody who's learning and picking up the skills that you need at your job, a developer is going to need to do that anyway. You know, yeah. a uh, somebody who already knows everything, they're going to come in and they're going to need to think. And yeah, worst case scenario, you can give that person their money back. So this, this story that you shared of writing two lines of code, I feel like so many people would have trouble literally believing that. You right, know, yeah. how, can, how can you get paid? Right. You can speak on that. Oh yeah. I mean, there, yeah, so many times it's happened in my life. I mean, when I started doing coaching, like I do coaching now, right? Like I do just like one-on-one -on -one coaching for, for my other company, Bulldog Mindset. And I do some for Simple Programmer, but mostly for Bulldog Mindset. I charge, you know, and it's no joke, I charge $1,500 for an, an hour, one hour once a month on a Skype call, right? Yeah. And People are like, that's crazy. There's no way, you know, that's not possible. But you know what? When I I put up the price because I said, okay, well, you know, I don't really want to do coaching. I'm, I'm busy. I don't have much time for this, right? So, you know, if someone's willing to pay, I suppose 1500 bucks, I, I, would, I would get on a call for you with you for an hour and do this. And, you know, and people start signing up and paying it. Right. It was yeah. like, you, it's just like you, you, you don't believe these things are possible until you're doing them. And not only are people signing up and paying it, but, but, you know, at first I didn't, I, I'm not trained to be a, a coach, right. I'm not a, like a, a trained life coach. I don't have any certification or anything like that. Someone was like, Oh, how are you qualified to do this? Well, I don't know. Do you want to talk to me for 1500 bucks? You, you know, like, I'm not qualified yeah. to do it, but I'll, I'll right. And, yeah. uh, and then I, and then I did it and I learned, right. And, and, you know, I've got, you know, I've got like 10 clients now currently on the roster that are all paying me to coach them. And, you know, some people might say, oh, well, that's, that's kind of fraudulent. And like, how can you be helping these people? Well, you know, one of the, one of the guys I was coaching just in, I, I just taught him how to build a business. And in, you know, in one year he worked and built his YouTube channel and built up his email list. And his email list has got like, you know, 6,600 people on it, not a huge list, but he just did his first product launch and I helped him taught him how to do that. And he just made $80,000 in a week. So it's like, you know, my, my point is, is that it's like, you, you figure the shit out. Like you figure out how to, obviously I had some knowledge and some skills. Like I didn't just, you know, say, okay, I can coach you for $1,500. And, you know, I, I have a lot of experience with, with a lot of, a lot of different business things in, in real estate and, and all of those things and fitness and right. all that. But, but my point is, is like, uh, you know, I don't know the answers all the time when I coach someone to every single problem, right? Sometimes I have yeah. to think about it. Sometimes I have to come up with a solution. Like you can't, you can't know it all ahead of time. 
and but but you never know it's amazing you know when i when i was billing to when i was just working as a software developer there i kept on raising my at one point i was i was billing 300 dollars an hour right to to write to write automation code which was just an insane rate but people were paying it and i was writing the code but you know i had to just just take the contract and just say okay yeah i can figure this out i can i can do this and and take the work but and then i would assume like probably a lot of the like okay so you did a lot of like upwork jobs and like different freelancing jobs i mean how many times did you like did you know exactly what you need to do or how many times when you took one of those jobs did you have to figure out and learn something in order to be able to complete it almost never knew any of it um yeah so when i took almost any job i felt like I didn't know it and I had to learn it. Yeah. So most of the times I had to learn it. Yeah. So you kind of, I mean, if that's the case, then basically like you just have to assume that that's how it's going to go. Right. Like I think probably a lot of people are afraid because they, they say, Oh yeah, I couldn't do this when I don't know this yeah. language or this technology yet. And, and literally like you just have to say, okay, well I could figure this out. Yeah. I mean, my thing is, how funny would it be if I failed incredibly terribly? Like, if right. I literally just fell on my face and ate shit, what would happen? What's the worst that would happen? I, I go around trying to answer that question for most of my life. Like, what's the worst that could happen? Um, you know, for, for even my own business, a lot of the times I'm thinking, okay, you know, what if things go wrong and something really terrible happens? And then I go, you know what? Actually, that would be the best thing on the planet because that'd be the fastest way for me to grow my new business and absolutely kill it because yeah. I, I have that level of confidence in myself. And most people, when they look back, they have done really hard things in times of pressure. They just forget. And if they rely on that, they can let that be their compass to guide them. You charging $1,500 for one-on-one coaching you didn't know if you would be able to do that or not. You put it out there and you let the market decide. Right. Most people are scared to put content online. They're like, this is not good enough. This is not this. Who are you to determine if this is not good enough or if you can do it or not? Why don't you put it out and then you let the market decide? Right. Same thing here. Why don't you apply to a job and you let the company decide? Why don't you put in the work and let them decide whether you are terrible and they should fire you or you're great, they should keep you and they should keep paying you. So, and you know, and then another note on why you can charge so much is based on the value that you bring to another person. So there's a limit to how much you can get paid for troubleshooting someone's code versus, you know, on our call, you were telling me about, you know, a plan of how a person or even I could retire and become financially independent by the age of 30, mm. like that call versus somebody tutoring me on a little piece of code and tinkering it, you know, one I can pay $1,500 for or more without flinching. The other one at the end, the end of the call, I'm still confused as to what value I got, you know, but again, depends on who I am. Right, exactly. If that piece of code is going to help fix something that's worth a lot more, you know, you have to, the value that you bring has to be disproportionate to what they're paying you. And if you can do that, you can price yourself a lot higher. 
exactly yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah it's funny i get uh i got i remember getting an email from this one developer and he was emailing me and he's like yeah you know i'm learning ios development and you know i put a couple apps in the app store and he said but i'm getting a lot of these i'm trying to get a job and i'm getting a lot of job that are like offers to do interviews but they're for senior developer positions and i you know and i'm looking and i'm not a senior developer and so you know i i i don't know if i should go to these interviews it feels like a fraud like you know and uh what's up with this fraud shit that people keep like yeah I don't, he's like, I don't know if I'm qualified. You know, I'm obviously not qualified for these, for these jobs. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? What, yeah. what, like, how, why are you think you're not qualified? He's like, right. and he was like, well, what if they hire me for the job as a senior developer? And I'm like, great. Then you'll work as a senior developer. And he's like, well, I'm not really a senior developer. I'm like, let them tell you that you need to go home. Like, let them tell you like that you, you can't cut it. Otherwise take the job and do the best you can and learn and, and see where you go. But you know, you put two apps in the in the app store. I don't think most senior developers have done that, right? <laughs> like it doesn't matter how long you've been programming. The question is like, can you do the job? And if you can do the job, it doesn't matter. Like none of that stuff matters. No one gets to tell you or give you the title of senior developer. It's like, you just apply for the job. And if the right. company, you know, wants to hire you because they've interviewed you and you sound like a good candidate, then let them hire you. Don't like, don't tell them, Oh, I got to tell you, you know, I'm not really a senior developer or anything like that. Let them decide, let them decide. And then you right. have the job, you know, if they want to fire you because you're not good enough. Okay, fine. That's fine. But let them decide. Don't yeah. just like count yourself out. Yeah. Uh, you know, ahead of time. Yeah. Just kind of self-rejecting yourself before anything ever even exists. You know, get, not even giving yourself a chance. You're never going to know. Let the market decide. You go there. They don't want to work with you. At the end of the day, senior developer, junior developer is an arbitrary title. The only reason I think that in the programming world, in the development world, so many people have imposter syndrome I would blame the community for it. Mm. I think that because of how everybody tries to keep everything so intellectually superior, I mean, just go to stack over fucking flow. Like, yeah. just listen to how everyone talks there. Somebody asks a slightly wrong question or word in a way. If the person doesn't know the answer, that's why they're asking the question. Right. So when you shoot them down so harshly or have these really snide remarks and then everybody upvotes you for that and creates this culture of criticism and uh, that's very judgmental and that's very skeptical. You encourage the, you encourage that quiet noise that we all have in our heads that we're not good enough. You encourage that to speak louder. The quiet little guy that we have in our brains that speaks to us about skepticism and criticism and being judgmental just becomes louder in this community more than ever. So, all kind of entrepreneurial endeavors are looked down upon. They're like, do you know what it actually takes to write clean code? Like, you know, and really be a real software developer. I mean, I've been doing it for 35 years and I don't even know anything. I haven't even started yet, kid. So don't tell me with your one year of experience, you're going to get this job for this rate. Never going to happen. You need a master's degree. This is which. So they build so many of these things and then you just go, Oh shit, they're right. Maybe I don't, maybe I can't do it. Right. 
uh, you know, the equivalent of this is before social media became a thing, there were like three white men all over the broadcast and they ran everything and everybody saw them as an expert and that was the culture. Yeah. Exactly. Now I can pick up the phone and the person watching this video can pick up the phone and you can be the next John Sonmez. Like right. there's literally nothing stopping you from being the next John Sonmez. Right. But yet you'll look up to him, but you think you'll never be good enough. And so therefore you'll never do it. And then the cycle continues, you know, but bringing this into the developer culture, I think that it's really important. We get out of this imposter syndrome. It's really important that we actually start testing everything like literally start taking the opposite advice of what you hear from almost anywhere. Right. A, de a senior developer looks at you in the eyes and is like, you can never become a senior developer here. I've been doing it for 20 years. I write algorithms, special algorithms code that creates like DNA. I work at Netflix. This is never going to happen. Go fucking apply to Netflix for that specific job. Like literally just start doing the opposite. Expect to fail. And then when you win, you're going to win really, really big versus hiding in fear, never applying because thinking, oh, it's bad that I'm not applying because I might not get hired. But you know what's even better? I might not get rejected. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. you're never going to get that invitation to the castle, right? Like they're never going to drop the drawbridge bridge for you. Like you're going to have to siege the castle. That's how it, yes. how it was. That's how it was with me. Like, I mean... I was, when I started out, like no one knew who the fuck I was, right? And everyone, you know, said, oh, who are you? Who are you to think that you can, you know, write an article or start a blog for this or, or make YouTube videos or even make, you know, plural side videos with these famous authors, these famous software developers, right? Yeah. And, you know, and I would, I would read books by these developers and I would, you know, read magazine articles by them and, and watch, you know, training videos and uh and and they seem so high above me so elite and then you know and no one invited me like i i was waiting for a large large portion of my career for them to invite me for me to be good enough and then for them to extend the invitation to lower the drawbridge and be like okay yeah you can come in the castle now yeah. right and that never happened so i was just like fuck it i'm gonna siege the castle so oh, i started yeah. pretending like i was like well fuck i know just as much as these guys like i'll i'll, I'll make content i'll create that stuff and then pretty soon you know, over time, I became one of them, right? And then I surpassed most most of them that that I had looked up to because it, it's all about who's willing to to do the work. And you just have to just assume it. You just have to, you know, no one's going to give you that opportunity. You're never going to become a famous developer. You're never going to you know become anything unless you just decide that that you're the shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and you just go for it. That's it. Right. So. Yeah. 100%. I think, yeah, that level of initiative is really, really important. So, you know, anybody who's watching this, you want to either do freelancing, you want to get a raise, you want to, you just have to do the thing that's really, really difficult. And you have to do the thing that's really, really hard sometimes, you know, for especially for the, the different person. I mean, there are different personality types. So you got to know your personality type. Maybe you're more entrepreneurial. Maybe you're very risk tolerant. You don't care. You want to go all in. That's really great. So, you know, this advice that I'm giving you, you're probably just going to take some of what you're listening to from myself and John. You're just going to apply it. But what the people I want to speak to even more that I'm really, that I'm a little bit more worried about are the people who have so many skills, have so much talent, are literally superheroes, but just fail to see that in themselves. 
right see how good they actually are and that's one thing that scares me so i just want to implore you that if you're hearing any of this if any of this resonates or even slightly makes sense blindly trust and take advice on it and then if it fails you can you can go back and then go back to just doing everything your own way you know but maybe you need to have that conversation of getting a higher income at your current job because you've been here for x number of or years and you've been doing great maybe you need to look and apply to different online platforms so you can start you know earning income and raise your rates to $80 an hour and see what happens yep exactly you know um i believe that if you're making $100 a year versus $50 a year it's not just you're making double the money but you have to think about the fact that that means that the the result that you get in one two years you can now get in one year if you double your rate yeah and if you expand that out over time the result you would get in 30 years you're now getting in 15 years so this is a really important thing but the only thing that's kind of stopping you might be a little bit of that fear most of the times honestly so if you learn how to confront or just challenge yourself every day by doing one more thing, one little thing, it's going to be really powerful and make a lot of difference. So I, I really want to make sure that that message kind of gets across. Yeah. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. Do, do something that's going to put you outside of your comfort zone, right? Yeah. Something that you're, that you're, that you're expecting to fail at and then yeah. try to swim as hard as you can and see what happens. That's, you know, Exactly. you'll surprise yourself at the very least you'll grow you'll either you'll either win or you'll learn that's that's the only two outcomes possible win or learn that's great i love that all right well uh well thanks kazi this is this is cool this is good we should probably wrap it up here uh guys if you haven't already go check out kazi's channel clever programmer you'll you'll love the content there if you like the content here he's got a very similar type of content the stuff that we've we've talked about today and you know and he's he's one of the best places online to to learn python to learn freelancing as well so go check out his channel there'll be a link in the in the description below and uh yeah thanks kazi yep thanks so much uh yeah definitely guys if you check it out that'd be great and thanks so much for having me john yep